0: to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Well, hallelujah, are you ready this morning? All right, take your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter one this morning. Been praying that our perspectives would completely continue to change to see things from the kingdom rather than from the worldly aspect. It's sort of hard to break loose from that since we've been in the world for so long and everybody else lives like that. So it's like swimming upstream sometimes and looking like you're a little weird or fanatic even though you're not. You're just being aligned with the kingdom of God. So let's go. Let's see. Hebrews chapter 1. Oh, let's just read verse 8 and 9. It says, But unto you, the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows." This talks about God, of course, and it talks about Jesus Christ, and it talks about what he did here on the earth. He loved righteousness, right alignment with God, right standing with God, and he hated iniquity. What was iniquity? Iniquity was sin or hidden sin or whatever's there that God is trying to cleanse up and cure us from by the Holy Spirit to line us up to be in line. Notice a result of that is joy. Say Joy. joy if you meet a sourpuss Christian, chances are they're not living in anything righteous whatsoever. They just got born again, yes they're going to heaven, but nobody has ever taught them to grow in righteousness and learn how to become in right alignment with God. So basically they're born again on their way to heaven, but they're basically living the same lifestyle that they did before, even though they're going to heaven and things aren't working out for them. And many times when they do that, they basically backslide because nothing's working out for them and people told them that they did. So you've got to come to a place where you love right standing with God and you hate any Thing that separates you from that because basically that is your access to everything in your kingdom in the kingdom of God all right go to 2nd Timothy chapter 3 Second Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16. It says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for the instruction in what? Righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto how many good works? All good works. So here it shows you here that the knowledge of And the key to you living in righteousness and living in the kingdom of God are all the scriptures. In other words, the scriptures are there. What are they there for? They're there for doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is what God has stated in his word, the things that belong to you. How many of you know healing belongs to you? Blessings belong to you. Victory belongs to you. The anointing belongs to you. Well, I didn't know that till I got into the scripture and actually found out. Until that time, I was trying to get what God had already given me, and it's hard for God to give it to you a second time when he already gave it to you the first time. Are you following me? In other words, most of my prayer life was to be anointed. Most of my prayer life was to be blessed. Most of my prayer life was to be healed. Then I found out that he blessed me with every spiritual blessing. So why was I praying for a blessing when he already gave me a blessing? The Bible says, by stripes ye were, past tense, healed. So why am I praying for healing when he's already given it to me? It brought me in a place of right alignment with God so that I could walk in that righteousness, love that righteousness, and stand against anybody trying to steal that righteousness from me. We talk about the devil all the time, but the devil comes to do what? what what does he do first he well how can he possibly steal something that doesn't belong to me it wouldn't be theft then so he's coming after things that God has already provided for us to convince us that we're not provided in that area and the devil steals us from us by talking out of what belongs to us so all at once a symptom comes in your body and all at once you're sick as a dog well how many you know you lost your righteousness there you lost your right alignment money gets a little bit tight instead of believing that God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory that he said say he said, he said. see if you read these scriptures you think the pastor made that up no he said that and he put it down in a book so he's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory so whether things look good or they look bad I'm going to stay there I'm going to stay in righteous alignment because God basically can then help me in that situation by the power of the Holy Spirit and has access things from heaven so it's very important that we study to learn to become righteous so that we come mature say mature. mature how many know there's a difference between being a christian and being a mature christian someone who grows up well how do i grow up well here he says by doctrine he grows up by reproof and by correction now, how many know we lose a lot of men on third one see god loves you hallelujah you're healed glory to god you need to change this wait just one minute You're the pastor. You're not allowed to say that to me. You're not allowed to. No. Correction comes and correction will come basically for one reason that you need corrected. And more mature people want to grow you up. You can take it to the natural family basically. You know, parents have to instruct children what to do. They don't learn to steal, lie, cheat, get angry, scream, holler unless you allow them to grow into that and start to be that. And how many know it gets habit forming? Say habit forming. So whatever becomes a habit in your life, you think is now natural for you to do because it's become a habit, but it hasn't lined up with God's word. So that means I must spend time in God's word in order to know what God says about that situation, not what mommy and daddy said, not what my grandparents said, not what anybody else said, but what God said about that situation. See, let not the sun go down on your anger. Everybody knows that scripture, but nobody does it. See, and that's what the Bible says. So I've got to do that. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to go ahead and obey what God says. And basically, as I study the Scriptures, I'm growing, maturing, and I'm becoming more stable. Stable Christians. Not up, not down, not flying around, not on top of the hill one moment and underneath the devil's feet. There. I'm talking about stability in your life. And that comes by right alignment in the kingdom of God. But in order to do that, I've got to know what the kingdom of God says in its book in order to do that. God says, my people are destroyed because of? Not because of the devil. Because of lack of knowledge. We don't understand how the kingdom of God operates. And since we don't, we get off into areas where the devil gets an opportunity. The Bible tells us to give him no place in our lives. But we do that simply by not knowing anything. So I can either be in line with God And not know what my rights are anyway and live in defeat. Or I can live outside of the alignment and be quoting scripture all day long. And neither one of them is going to work. So it's a double whammy for us, isn't it? If we don't know righteousness. So we want to study the word. We want God to explain it. We want to show him in his word. And what will he do? He's going to show you doctrine. What he said is he's going to reprove you. And there's going to be correction there. And many times you don't have to have somebody correct that. The spirit of God is correcting you. And you have to decide whether you will or not. Remember the one parable about the dad who sent the, the two boys into the vineyard? And the first one said, I'll go, and he didn't. The second one said, I ain't going, and he did. That's like us, isn't it? God says, do this. Say, I ain't going to do that. And then you get away, and the Holy Ghost starts beating you up. And three days later, he said, all right, all right. You know, it says obedience is better than sacrifice. I'll tell you what, sometimes obedience is sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Or you get those that say, I heard a good, good scripture. The pastor preached something today, and he said, I'm supposed to forgive everybody. And they go off and don't forgive anybody. See, so it's a combination, isn't it? Not only do we hear what we've got to do, but we've got to do what we're going to do. That gives us the foundation to grow up in righteousness and to grow up in the things of God and basically to get closer and closer to what God wants us to be. God wants to supply all your stuff. He wants to supply every provision you've got. Why is that? Because you've got a purpose here on the earth and you've got a work that needs to be done and it cannot be done without financial aid. It cannot be done with peace. It cannot be done without joy. It cannot be done with all these things. So what's God trying to do? Make sure you stay in line so he can give you all these things. He can give you the peace that passes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there is no peace in understanding. Is there? Look around for God's sakes. Somebody says, I don't understand why you don't have peace. Well, i got the peace that passes all understanding. See, what's he talking about? He's talking about a joy that this world didn't give you. If you're looking for a joy in this world, God bless you. If you find it, please let me know. Because there is none. The joy is in God. The joy is in what he's done for you. The joy is in the kingdom. The joy is what he's provided for you. The joy is in you extending the kingdom of God that you were put here to do, basically. And that's where your real joy comes from. And when you get that real joy, all this other circumstance and situations out here just seem to go by the wayside. You don't really even care because you're doing what God basically has told you to do. But all this is by the word of God. Say the word of God. God. Say, I need need to spend time time in God's God's word. word. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 5. Now, remember when you got born again, now you are righteous. You are declared righteous. You're not trying to become righteous. You are righteous. But he's purifying that righteousness, so you grow in that righteousness, just like your salvation. How many of you can grow into your salvation? You're saved one day, then God shows you what your salvation provided. The Bible says the preaching of the cross is the power to them that believe. We've made it the power of God to them that are lost so they get saved, and that's all right, but it's also the power of God for you to believe and grow up into your salvation to understand what God has provided for you, what keeps you in line with him, what shows you how to act in situations and circumstances so you can stay in line with him and hook with him. Here's Hebrews chapter 5, look at verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of Rut Righteousness. Righteousness. For he is what? He's a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil so here's the pursuit of righteousness i'm seeking first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then a byproduct of that is all these things will be added unto me i'm not going to seek the things i don't need to seek the things i need to seek righteous alignment and then my father is the one who has to provide for me because he said so so here it talks about the pursuit of righteousness it says if you're not skillful in the word on righteousness you are a baby now there's nothing wrong with being a baby there's something wrong with being a baby for 30 years and not growing up. So everybody starts out as a baby, but they want to mature and they want to grow in the word of righteousness, understanding what is theirs and what belongs to them. When you get to solid food, you then become basically mature. Say mature. mature. Now, what's the difference between being a baby and being mature? What's the difference between milk of the word of God or solid food? Milk tells you that you're blessed. Milk tells you that you're healed milk tells you that you need to forgive milk tells you all these things but then it tells you on the backside to do it and that's where you grow up see Oh, yeah, he said we're supposed to forgive everybody today. It was such a good sermon. I just love that sermon today. And yeah, I I, it's just so great. And yeah, what do you, how's your Aunt Susie doing? I always hated her guts. I tell you what, she's the worst person I've ever ran into in my entire life. And, and she did this back to me in 2013. I remember the day, the hour, the time, the weather forecast that day. And da, 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 da. what happened? You got a baby who's drinking milk, but they don't want to go on to the solid food. In other words, they don't want to eat. They don't want to go into that place, basically. And here it says if you just practice that, say, practice that you'll be able to discern good from evil. Say good from evil. It always astounds me because if you take the evil that you're doing and turn it around, it's actually live. See? You switch it around. Praise God. So basically, the evil that's there, basically, we want to switch out of it. And it's not really terrible evil sometimes. It's just little things in our life. I'll give you an example. We were at home the other day, and I said, you know what I need? I, I need one of these caps for these five-gallon jugs of water. My cap had broken down. I needed to go get water. I, I don't want to uncap it. I want to have a cap for it. So I figured I'd go to where everybody goes for everything, Walmart. And I went to Walmart, and I went to the place. And she says, oh, they probably got them up front by blah, 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 blah. So I went up there to the blah, blah, blah. She says, no, we don't carry them here. They're back there in the blah, 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 blah. So I went back to the blah, 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 and they said, no, we don't have them in the blah, blah, blah. Here, did you try up front? I said, I've been to that blah, blah, blah. I said, I'm at your blah, blah, blah now. And they said, well, go back into hardware back in there. There's probably some there. So I get back in hardware. I'm looking around. I don't see anything. The only thing there is a jug that they're selling with a cap on it. And this jug, apparently a truck ran over it because it was completely smashed up with a cap on it. So I said, nobody's going to buy this jug." Come on now. Nobody in their right mind. Why well, don't even got it out here on display? But it has a cap, and if nobody's going to buy the jug, they certainly don't need the cap. So I'll just take the cap off of there, fit right on mine. This would be great. So I took the cap off, started walking, and then God spoke. Yes. <laughs> God said, where are you going with that cap? I said, I'm going to put it on my jug. And he said, you know, you can't take that cap. I said, did you see that jug? My God, it's smashed. Nobody's going to use that stupid cap. Give me a break. And did you know they took me from blah, 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 to blah, to blah, to blah, blah, just to get to this cap? I think it was the Holy Ghost leading me blah, blah, blah all the time. I think I heard God's voice. And we argued for quite some time, and I had to put that cap back, and I was not happy about it. Because nobody's probably going to throw the cap out anyway. I was doing them a favor. I was saving them time. The jug. I'm paying $5 for that smashed up thing Never mind so what was going on there and now how many know this is a little thing see this is a little thing here now you know five years ago I'd have walked out with that cap not even thought anything about it probably not even been guilty for it but as the Holy Ghost continues to work come on as the Holy Ghost continues to work it gets you know I mean 10 years ago I'd have cheated on taxes to save 500 bucks you know yeah and everybody laughing let me just look around a little bit as I said that cheated on taxes See, but as you grow more and more in righteousness, you can't get, you can't get, well, you can, but you can't get away with these things. So I was like the one that said, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that. But then I went back and and I did it. Was it a big thing? Apparently, it was to God. It don't seem like a big thing. I mean, I've been glad to give him a buck for the thing, you know, and walk out the door. But that's just not the way that we can do. So, I mean, and a lot of times, I tell you, even when you're in a restaurant anymore, how many know there's a lot of jobs out there and a lot of people filling jobs that don't belong in them jobs? So, sometimes when you go to a restaurant and it's time to tip, you can't even tip. You've got to give an offering. <laughs> you know what I mean? A service was so bad, you know you can't tip them. That wouldn't even be godly. So, you've got to leave an offering instead just to bless them. Praise God. Why is that? Because we're kingdom people. Glory to God. This is what we do, this is how we act. Somebody gives us $2 back and it should have been one. We go back. We don't say, Praise the Lord, I've been praying and God blessed me and walk out. So, you've got to be able to discern. Good from evil, from one or the other, and that's not done up here, I trust you. It's done right down here in your heart, and it's from exercising different things in your life. All right, go to Psalm 35. And I ordered my caps and got them, praise God, on Amazon, so... <laughs> So that temptation, I've been delivered from that temptation. Yeah, I got three of them. Three of them, so I'm saved from temptation. All right, Psalm 35, look at verse 26. i go to verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now here it's talking about righteousness again. As you seek righteousness, notice God is not keeping anything from you. God is trying to get everything over to you. But there's two parts to play. What are those two parts? We stay in right alignment. And he gives us access to the kingdom of God for everything we want. Our part is to stay in alignment and obey him. His his responsibility is then to access everything into our life that we need. And basically not for selfish desires, but to complete the work that he put us here to do. Will you have other money after that? Yes, you're going to have more. Will you have a storehouse? Yes, you should have a storehouse. But don't shift your trust in the storehouse from God. It's got to be on God. So here it's talking about how to unlock it. Basically, he wants to give us things. He wants to do it. This is what God wants to do in our life as kingdom citizens. And then the Bible says, all things will be added unto us. So God wants you to pay your bills. He wants you to have a car. He wants you to have a house. He wants you to have everything that you need. And I'll tell you, as I studied this book and I got in the Bible and started reading it and started realizing this is what I'm going to do, I'll tell you what, I never found a place where God promised you a house. You know what he promised you? Houses. Yeah, he promised you houses, not house. And I said, what am I doing with one house? I need houses, if he said houses. So I started believing for houses. And I ended up with houses. But I could have stopped at house. I could have stopped at a one-bedroom, one-bath shack if I wanted to. But God wants to give to you. You see, and we look over sometimes, and not only does it say in Deuteronomy he gives you houses, but he'll even furnish the houses that you get. And here we are, Lord, just give me a place to rent. He's got a house for you, praise God. He wants to get you into a place. He wants you to have a house. He wants you to be there. But once again, it comes from right alignment with him. Say right alignment with him. And we do that. He's trying to get everything over to us, praise God. All right, go to Deuteronomy 30. Okay, Deuteronomy 30, this is basically a type and shadow of the New Testament kingdom of God and uh, basically us. Look at verse 8, it says, and thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you this day, and the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy hand. In the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken under the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his word or commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now this he told basically to the Israelites after they'd been in the desert for 40 years. How many know they disobeyed God and rebelled and never got to the promised land, at least that generation, because of their disobedience to God. So he comes to them and he says, hey, return to me again. In other words, come back and write alignment with me and love me, and if you do that, I will bless you in every area of your life, in your family life, in your marriage, in your money, in your possessions, in your property. I'll be able to bless you in all those things as long as you return to me. How many know that one generation never got in? How many know there's still some Christians that never get in? Why don't they get in? Because no right alignment in order to let God do what God wants to do in somebody's life. So how many know this this scripture applies to us, don't it? That means return to God. Return to seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. And if we make that our number one, all these things will be added unto you. So simple obedience to the word of God or to the commandments basically is what gives you access into the kingdom of God. And some people say, well, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart too. That's true. But the Bible says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. How do I love the Lord? Well, I just say, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. No, no. If you love the Lord, you obey obey the Lord. No, I love the Lord. Do you obey Him? No, but I love Him. No, you don't love Him. You loved Him, you'd obey Him. You see, it's very simple. So I don't have to try to love Him and obey Him. I just obey Him, and that means that I love Him. Praise God. What does that do? It gives me access once again to everything there. So that same stipulation is to us. That means slowly by surely, the Holy Ghost is going to weed things out of our life, isn't He? Dishonesty is going to have to go. Lines gonna have to go people say well it was just a white lie well don't be racial it could have been white asian black i mean give me a break white lie what's that got to do anything a lie is a lie praise god do you see well, it was just a little one no no praise god a lie is a lie backstabbing selfish ambition i'll tell you foul language I hang around with some Christians who are younger who say they're Christians and their language is worse than most of the people who aren't Christians that I run around with other times. Christian businesses, some of them you don't want to get hooked up with. Come to our Christian business. You go and wish you'd have never found it. Why is that? They've never grown. They've got born again. They've labeled Christian on their door and basically you're supposed to come there because you're a Christian. But there's a growing up and a maturity and what the Holy Ghost does is He weeds sin and iniquity slowly out of your life. And a lot of that has to do with your thinking, and a lot of that has to do with your motives. I mean, he'll start messing with your motives sooner or later. Say, you can do something that's right, but not do it because it's right. And he will will correct you on that. He'll show you on that. He'll do you. I mean, we do it. People get mad at other people simply. They buy them a Christmas gift. Don't get one back. Don't talk for 40 years. Well, you shouldn't have gave one to get one back to begin with. See what I mean? Well, I gave them one. Well, good for you. Why didn't you just give it because you wanted to give them something and actually love them and don't care whether you got it back? Well, we had them over for dinner, and they had us over for dinner. This is the way the church is. No wonder why it's a mess. I mean, my God, if you want to give them something, give them something. But don't give them to get something back. See? And husbands and wives aren't much better. But we're not going to go there. We'll leave that to couples. <laughs> You got to earn things from each other. Got to do things for. You. I ain't going to forgive you. You got to give them flowers, so forgive you. Just forgive them. Right. And then they get you flowers. That's great. They don't. It, you know, and I'm not saying flowers are bad. Do you understand? I'm just saying the motive behind what we do sometimes is to manipulate to try to get. I mean, manipulate manip- God all the time. Yeah. Lord, I'm praying. I need this done today, and I just want you to know. that I've been to church the last two Sundays and Wednesday night, and I made it for prayer this morning at 10 o'clock, and I helped out it. Well, he doesn't do that because you did that. He does that because you're in line with him, and most of the things you need him to do, he's already done. You just don't know it, because you haven't got in the kingdom book and found out what belongs to you. See, so we we got to check our motives too. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Am I doing this to look good? Am I doing this to do this? Am I am I preaching so everybody will know that I preached? Will everybody find me and make me in a big ministry? Will everybody? No, it's not that way. Praise God! Your motives have to come from a love any way you look at it. It comes from one word, love. I do that because I love them. I do that because I love God. I do that because I love. So basically here was a, it was a problem because he was calling the next generation to return to him so that they could get into something called the promised land. Amen. Hallelujah. How I many you know there's a promised land for us? The Bible says there's a rest waiting for us, praise God. How do we get it? Cease from your own works and just get in line with God and let him do what God does, praise God. All right, go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, first time I read these two verses, it killed about 14 religious cows I had in my life. Look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust thereof. Now, nobody knows you can't do that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody sins sometime. Everybody's got to fall down and make a mistake sometime. We all sin. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. We're all sinners. But notice what he says. Let not. Who's he talking to? Let not sin reign therefore in your mortal body. Many times the reason you sin is because you think you have to. Because he accepted the fact that sin should be reigning over you. Sin should not reign over you, according to him. You have dominion over sin. And he says, let not sin reign in your mortal, not when you die and go to heaven, your mortal body. So I decided one day, I don't have to sin anymore. And if I do, the Holy Ghost will tell me and I'll immediately repent of it. And I'm not going to do it again. Sin is more than just confessing sin. It's turning from what you're confessing and not doing it again. It's not seeing how many times you can do it and how many times he'll forgive you. Then we go to the verse about seven times 70, don't we? But that's not what that verse is there for. That's for you, for forgiving others. So basically what do we want to do? When sin hits us, we want to get out of that. And another reason why we do it is because your deliverance comes through faith, not through your works. So my deliverance comes through faith, who believing he has already made me sets me free from who I thought I was, and then I'll be who I am. As a man thinks in his heart, so is He. So what am I going to do? I found one day I'm righteous. Well, righteous people shouldn't have to sin. See? Righteous people shouldn't have to be alcoholics. Or else I'd be an alcoholic. It changed my perspective of who I was by faith. How do we take part of the divine nature? It says, wherefore are given to us these precious promises, but by these we may partake of the divine nature. Nature. So as I read this book and I change who I am, my identity, stuff just starts falling off your light. It's like when you come in here and it was dark this morning, I turned on a light. Guess what? I didn't have to rebuke light or darkness. I didn't have to cast it out in Jesus' name. I didn't have to command it to go. When I turned on the light, darkness went. So as I bring revelation into my mind and find out I'm righteous, sin, when I find out I'm healed, sickness, when I find out I'm peaceful and joyful, worry and condemnation, and fear, so it's a taking on of what God has made you, basically that sets you free from what you were dealing with. So here he says, sin shall not have dominion over you. So as a Christian, most people are getting born again, then they're living in the desert. Still waiting to get to the promised land. And so you know what every preacher tells you? They tell you when you die and go to heaven. When you do, what a glorious day it'll be. When we die and go to heaven, everything will be fine. Well, what about now? What about this scripture now? It says in your mortal body. I mean, no, you won't have one up there. See? So we can live without sin right now. And the thing we do is we get in habits and patterns. We see our parents and we see other ones basically respond in situations to different things. In other words, when they got mad, you knew. You didn't need discernment. You knew they got mad. You know? And that's the way dad did it. Grandpa did it the same way. So to me, that normalized sin for me. Because if they did it, that must be the way to get what you want is by being the dad and yelling and screaming and putting on that face. And it worketh for dad, it worketh for grandfather, so it's worketh for me. But then I got in the Word and I didn't find out anywhere. Get thou angry as I can, scream and holler, cuss, slap four people, and everything will line up to you. It isn't in there, do you see? But it's a habit that we formed. It's something that we didn't even see as sin. And now that I see it's sin, i got to get out of that thing. Come on. I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm going to not do that anymore. I'm going to resist that anymore. I'm going to... A soft answer turns away wrath. So I'm going to try that. And the first time I tried it, it worketh. I was surprised. I said, God really knows what he's talking about. (laughs) My gosh, I'm amazed at him sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you feed into already an argument by tolerance screaming, you'll really have an argument before it's over with. See? So those are things that we're going to have to change. You know, I heard a story one time of a little girl who had a bicycle. She was really poor, and the handlebars were bent, and they were rusted. So she learned how to drive that bicycle. And somebody saw her and said, oh my gosh, she said, that, that's terrible, I'm going to buy you a new bike. Bought her a new bike, she fell off it every single time she got on it because she didn't know how to. why she was normalized to a crooked bike and thought that that was the right thing to do. And when she got a real bike, she didn't know how to ride the darn thing because her handlebars were always crooked. And that's what we do as Christians. We get normalized to sin, then we don't understand why things aren't exactly working out that they're going to be working out. Well, this is the way my mom and dad's marriage went. I yelled, she smacked, we got it over with. We didn't talk for four days. That's not the way the Bible describes to do those things, see? So we want, to line up with the, we want to line up with the Word, don't we? And will that be painful? Oh, yeah. Praise God. Obedience is tough because there's sometimes you've been doing something over and over and over and over again, and it's become a habit. But these things can be broken because he said you have authority over sin. You have authority over this stuff. So I started taking authority over stuff in my life, not her life. Oh, Lord, I take authority over my wife if she would just straighten up, if she just quit being a nag, if she just stopped doing this, and Jesus, no, 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 no. He's dealing with, oh, do, 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 See, and as you grow, the other one sees that, and then they start to grow together. That's why you're supposed to get married and be together a long time because you get a lot to teach each other. See, we, we, we've had 38 years, and we're about grade number four but you're learning and you're teaching each other and you're learning how to act, and you're learning how to do things and that's the way we do it in normal life and circumstances. You were taught to worry and freak out every time bad news came your way, that's what you do. And if you didn't, you know what, you didn't care. Don't you care? Don't you care? Well, no, not like that I don't for gosh sakes, no my God, I'm going to trust God. Why, why do you steal? Why do you rip, rip off the IRS? Because you don't believe he can supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But we weren't taught that. We were taught that you do that, praise God. If you get away with it, you do it, bless God. And the IRS will never find out. Well, the God IRS will. See? And he's not punishing you. You're either lining up or not lining up with him. It's not up to him. He's already provided everything that you'll ever need, already given it to us. And now what are we doing? We're taking authority over sin, praise God. People come to me all the time. I'm called to be in the ministry, and I'm going to have a worldwide ministry, and I'm going to go all over place. And they can't even get by a fence. They hate 14 people, yet they're going to change the whole world, praise God. No, start someplace right here. There's some pretty fertile ground right here that needs to be. The Bible tells you not not to regard iniquity in your heart. So when the Holy Ghost comes to you and says, Hey, you need to change this. And I'll tell you, the best thing that I learned to do at first was make an excuse. That boss that thou givest me. Those kids that you blessed me with. That wife thou hast given me. See? It's always everybody else's problem. If they would just line up, my God, things would be so easy. But that's not what he's working on. He's working on you, and he's showing you. And the last thing you can do is be told by the Spirit of God to change something and change it, and then command your spouse to change it. You just live it, and when they see you live it, they'll come along with it. But don't you, you know, women ought to submit. Bless God, I got a revelation. You understand? God told me to forgive, and you're going to forgive, young woman. I'll tell you that right now. See, that's not the way we do it. We're we a lifestyle. We do it by our lifestyle. That's why we do it. We don't go out and when everybody else is cussing, we join in to be, yeah, B, E, D, D, F, B, E, E. Come on. We don't do that, do we? We don't want to fit in. We don't want to do those things. We want to be different than them. Praise God. So they can see there's a difference. But we don't do that. A lot of people out there just doing the same thing, then blaming God and wondering why God won't do nothing for them. God has already done everything. You just got to turn on, praise God, unkink the hose. The spigot is running full blast. So we want to get every little thing, and we want to keep growing, and we want to keep learning, we want to keep doing these things. There's one lady who lived in a smog area. It was so bad, and she moved to a different place out in the country. Got a big house. When she got out there, she got sick because the air was so clean, she couldn't take it. <laughs> what was she? Normalize the smog. And that's what we do. We get normalized. Well, it's okay. It's okay to scream a little bit. It's okay to get angry just a little bit. It's okay to shout a little bit. And I'll tell you what, one of the last things I hate to preach on is sin, because I'd rather preach on the victory side. But there's things in our heart God's still trying to get out of there. If he still worketh on each and every one of us, whether you know it or not, he's still in there working. If you'll allow him to do it and hear his voice, and you'll make the little adjustments that are trying to be made in your life, you'll find out you'll have peace and joy. Worry is a sin. Amen. Preacher. Yeah, I mean, he tells you, let not your heart be troubled. Cast all your cares on me. Don't be anxious for anything. And we worry anyway. But, boy, you talk about worry. Everybody knows him, scriptures. I've been worried sick. Do you know the worry scriptures? Yeah, be not troubled. Don't be anxious. I know exactly where they are. They're, one's orange, one's purple in my Bible. I got them underlined 13 times. and ready. Well, you're, you're not doing it. See, you're, you're not standing against worry. You're not standing against fear. Fear you've got to stand against. There's fear on every corner. You can't go nowhere without running into something to be fearful of. You can't get in your car and start it. If you got an old car, fearful it ain't going to start. I'm fearful. of. Oh, thank God it's going to start. Praise God. Now, reverse just works. Yeah, glory to God. Ooh. See, fear is everywhere, man. It's there. Try to jump into your life. Why? To, to keep you away from God, to keep you out of alignment for God, to get you to trust in yourself or other people for your things rather than God. So fear is going to be out there each and every time. But we don't want to do that. We want to slowly make the correction. Praise God. Slowly make the correction. Even when you have close friends or something, they do something that you don't like, think of the good points yes. in their life, you know. It's like when I used to do, when I do marriage counseling, you get in there and there are one sitting there and the other one sitting there. And not even, they're on the same couch, but you'd swear there's a, there had to be a space between them apparently. Somebody hit the space bar button. And you say, hey, uh, I just want you to say something nice about your wife. He goes. And one guy said, I love the way she parts her hair. I thought, well, that's a start. (laughs) For God's sakes, don't wear a hat because you want him to see the best part of you, I guess, right now, and that's the part that's in your hair. But why is that? Because they've been thinking so long about all the Dumb things, the bad things, the failures, the blah, 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 that they get to a place they can't even think about anything nice. I'm sure if you thought for a little bit, you could pull something out good about every single person, you know, even somebody that doesn't even like you, praise God. And that's what we want to do. We want to walk that way. We don't want to worry. We don't want to walk in fear. I'll tell you, fear, sickness, and stress is the number one cause of sickness right now. Fear and stress. There's no doubt about it in my mind. The church would live a lot better if they just did that. So we're studying the Word. We're getting doctrine. We're getting reproofed. We're getting healing. We're getting all these things. And who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Go to Matthew chapter 5. All right, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking, look at verse 19, it says, Whosoever, say that's me, whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called in the kingdom of heaven. So how do I become great in the kingdom of heaven? Do I, do I get a 4,000-seat church? Do I go on national TV seven days a week? Do I get the nicest clothes? Do I wear the nicest suit? Do I get a hair transplant? Do I, I mean, what do I? No, basically you serve other people. You are a servant. You're here to serve other people. That's what you do. You serve others. You don't get them to serve you. You serve other people. That's what you do. Notice, it doesn't say anything about being at Hollywood. It doesn't say about being in a movie. It doesn't say about having millions of dollars. It don't say anything about being a great basketball player. It don't say anything about fame and fortune. It says one thing, when you serve other people, you are now great in the kingdom of heaven. You may not be great in this world, but you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. And each and every one of us are growing. We're doing it. We're getting into a place. But the only way you're going to continue to grow there and go there is not get complacent. You're going to have to get real with God going to have to get real with him and stay real with him. And that's why a lot of people are Christians for 20 years or even pastors for 20 years and quit because they think they've arrived. They're, they're quoting the same scriptures, preaching the same sermons, not going any deeper. they got it all figured out. You know, you, uh, Next week they can tell you exactly what they're going to be preaching on because they already got it in their little book to look at. It. That's not the way you do it. You're changing every single day and everything should be changing about you, your thoughts and your ideas and your conduct and everything should be a slow change the whole time in your life. And that's what keeps revival. People want to know what revival is. It's Change. Not just falling down, jumping around, getting full of the Spirit, doing this, doing that, praise God. It's not those things, glory to God. It is those things, but that's supposed to cause a change in your life, praise God. When I used to lay on the floor for hours, I'll tell you God would just download and download and download and I wish I could wrote, but I couldn't get up, so I couldn't do that either, praise God. And they would download, but you remember what he's downloading to you, but you don't have to be knocked on the floor to do that. You've got this book right here that shows us how to live this life and how to do things. So what are we doing? We're growing every single day. If you arrived, God bless you. You're one of the few that I've ran into who's finally reached total maturity. But we want to to serve others. But what can they do for me? I did something for them, and they ain't doing nothing for me. There's always a place to serve. How many of you know that? You can serve with a phone call. You can serve with a text message. You can serve with a luncheon. You can serve with any of these things in your life to serve other people. And you know enough by now by looking around who needs some service and who don't see you can tell when somebody's a little bit down you can tell when somebody's a little bit out you know give him a call i mean give captain mark a call for goodness sakes say how you doing what's going on i mean it's been about three weeks now that he's been he's doing better but he's still dealing with vertigo whatever they call that thing basically and you know i told him when he retired i didn't know he was going to really retire and do nothing i thought he was still going to do some stuff so there's people in the church that you can get a hold of there's somebody sitting here today that you see and you drop them a little line say hey how you doing how many know God brings those people up to you yes. and here's the worst thing you can do I'll do that later because yes. then three days later you forgot you didn't do the later that he told you to do three days ago if he put somebody on your heart there's probably a reason why yes. they came up especially if some of you haven't even seen in a while once they come up on your heart you say well where did that come from whether well, it's something there maybe you just need to pray in the Holy Ghost for them how many know that's service? Yes. See? All these things are ways to serve. But we want to be great in the kingdom of God in order to do that. We want to serve other people. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't come for anything for himself. He went to the cross, provided nothing for himself. He didn't have to defeat the devil. The devil was already defeated. He didn't have to get healed. He was already healed. He didn't have to get blessed. He was really blessed. He did all that stuff for us, each and every one of us. So what's our, our greatest love? I tell every couple to lay down your life for the other person. And that's kingdom living. That's what it is. It's not classy It won't make the national news. Uh, You won't get get an Emmy for it. But no, praise God. Hallelujah. It's something that we can do as people, and we're growing every single day. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Once again, Holy Ghost, I just release you into the hearts of your people this morning as you continue to lead us and show us the different things that need to be adjusted in our life. I thank you, Lord, for making sure I didn't walk out with that very expensive bottle cap. But now I don't have to live in guilt for the rest of the week. Praise God. Thank you for delivering me from that. Father, I just thank you that you provide all our needs according to your riches and glory. I thank you that you love us on good days, bad days, even when things aren't working out. I just thank you. You are an awesome, wonderful, marvelous God. And we're just so glad to be in your family and so glad to have this time to do what you put us here to do. Father, I thank you for blessings upon every single person for here. I just open up the windows of heaven to their lives for finances. I open it up for peace and for joy. Father, I thank you for marriages in this church that they continually grow stronger and stronger each and every day, that the love between them continues to grow. I thank you that as they learn they can raise their children up the right way to handle situations and circumstances and I thank you we're not only training this generation but the next generation for kingdom of God believers and people who are going to make an influence in this world we thank you for this morning and all that you're going to do for us this week in Jesus name and everybody say Amen. amen okay